Welcome to the Money and Meaning Podcast. It's the podcast for CEOs who want a life full of money and meaning. I'm your host, Kenna Corder, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in turning stress and anger into a life of meaning. I created a virtual experience that allows me to have private conversations with CEOs that are stressed because they're singularly focused on money. And what I've found in my clinical practice is that if the CEO is stressed, the whole company is stressed. Am I right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And the CEO is stressed because society makes us believe the American dream is one thing. When it's just not true, it means different things to different people. And the truth is, the American dream is dead now anyway. Because all it ever did was force us to chase money and compete with others, which left us stressed and unhappy. Nobody dreams of being stressed and unhappy. That's why I set out on a mission to guide my tribe on a transformational journey to make America meaningful again. So if finding meaning in life is a high priority for you right now, let's get into today's show. Welcome, my Prosperity Pros, to this edition of Money and Meaning Podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk today about how we make America meaningful again. Now, this is not going to go into race relations. Not really. I mean, I might touch on it. I can't help it. But it really is about the American dream and what it did for us what it did to us, and why is dead. We're also going to talk about this search for meaning over money. And I'm going to break down to you how this journey looks. It's levels to this search for meaning over money. There's also things that you experience and feel as you're on this search. And, and there's like a catalyst to this, something that sparks you to want more meaning in your life. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about what's not on your resume. So those are like the three parts of this make America meaningful again, because let me just break it down to you why I believe that America has lost its meaning. So I believe that we have started just chasing money. Like it just became money, 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 get more money this year than I did last year, get more money than a competition, get more money than my neighbor, get more money than my brother. It's all about money, right? And then the money shows up as things. So we were like, oh, I'll buy houses and cars and clothing and jewelry. And I'll go on trips and I'll do all the things that look like I have money. And then even if you don't have enough money, you're still doing these things so that you can keep up with the Joneses, right? Rather than becoming the Joneses and letting people just keep up with you and what you're doing in your life. Not that that's even important, but I'm just saying your focus needs to be inward. But our focus became outward, like outward all day long. We're thinking about what other people are doing. And these are people we don't even like or know, or some of these people love us so much that it wouldn't even matter. But we are still so focused on all the outside things that don't begin to add up to who we are on the inside. All the stuff that's not 
on our resume, all the stuff that really truly brings us meaning. And because we're stuck there, we keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Now, Einstein said that's the definition of insanity. Kinney says that's the definition of humanity. And you know why? Because we are all doing the same thing, expecting a different result, because the brain sees familiar as good and unfamiliar as bad, because our brains are programmed. Now, that is not a bad thing that our brains are programmed because some programming works really well. However, other programming, the lies that have been programmed, the the external, the do as I say kind of mentality, that bottom line mentality, that money, 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 greed, greed, greed mentality, those programs do not serve us. They do not serve us. And for that reason, we really have to let go of this old American dream. Now, the old American dream is, and you know this, you go to school, you get a quote unquote good job, you get married, you buy a house, you have kids, you live happily ever after, right? That's the formula. However, that hasn't worked for many people. And there's so many people who don't want that. And the world makes them feel, at least Americans make them feel inadequate. But I'd say the world, all of the world, people feel inadequate if they don't follow that formula. And all over the world, people are trying to get to America to get that formula. Like, how do I get the house, the dog, the kids, the job, the school? I better go to America. That's where I get it. And then once they get here, they realize maybe Americans don't have it all figured out because why are they working so hard? What is this thing about hard work? So we fooled ourselves into believing that hard work is the key to success. And it's not, not at all. It's not even close. And because how many hardworking broke people do you know? Like non-successful people do you know that are working their buns off? So it, it really isn't about hard work, but even the millionaires will tell you, even the people who have built, even nonprofits, you know, they'll say, oh, it's all about hard work. It isn't necessarily about hard work. It is about your network. Mm-hmm. It is about opportunities and taking advantage of them, fully taking advantage of them. And yes, I want to use the word advantage because a lot of times we see the word taking advantage. We see that phrase as negative. No, take advantage of the opportunities that are there available to you and be unapologetic about it. Now, I talked before in a, in a video that I did that was about race relations, that not everybody has the same privilege, the same opportunities that they can take advantage of. Life is not fair. They said we are all created equal, not fairly. (laughs) I don't even believe that we're all created equal because what's my talent is definitely not your talent. Not everybody's going to get up here and talk. The biggest fear is public speaking, which I love doing and I'm really good at it. But many people aren't. And even if you teach them, they're still not going to be as good as I am at it. So are we created equally? No, we're not. But why is that important? Why do we even 
have to be created equally. And no, we don't all have the same opportunities, but you need to take advantage of all the opportunities you do have available to you so that you can, you can have, all of us have some sort of privilege. I know, I know, I know. I know some people are like, no, Kane, I don't. Everybody has more than I do. Okay. Because what you focus on expands and your beliefs become your reality. So keep believing that so that you can keep proving that to yourself because you'll just keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So if you don't have those opportunities, if you are not set up for success because you think the world is against you, then it could be your thinking. I want to take this in a different direction. So I said I wasn't going to talk too much about race relations, but we all know that whole privilege word goes connects to the race relations. And so I know this. I know that some people just do. They just have more opportunities. And when I talk about making America meaningful again, I really mean that when we go to work or when we go to our offices, our jobs, our careers, our businesses, whether you're the CEO or you are entry level, you should love, love, love your life. You don't have to become a CEO to love your life. I couldn't run presidential if everybody in the company was a CEO. Same is true for I don't know, IBM, Microsoft, any of the other companies. There needs to be a CEO and there needs to be people doing the other work. So everybody can't own a business. And thank goodness we're not all created equal. Everybody doesn't even have the wherewithal, what it takes to run a business. But some do. And some want a business that they can go to, unlock the doors at eight o'clock in the morning close their doors at eight o'clock at night, go home, have dinner with their family, go to sleep, do it all again. For some people, that is the life they're looking for. For others, they want to build something big. They want branches in every city and country. And they want millions and millions of customers and dollars. But not everybody wants that life. So what is the American dream to you? Because the American dream is dead. And this is Sort of like the eulogy. So let's just all pay homage to the American dream. As cookie cutter as it is, it meant something at one time. But it doesn't now. And that's why or how it died. It died because it didn't evolve. It died because it was inclusive. If you didn't believe those things, if you didn't believe that school was for you, then you lost your American dream. If you didn't want to have the two kids, the picket fence, you lost the American dream. Now your life has no meaning because you're not showing up in the world the way the cookie cutter dream says you should. And all it ever did was bring us stress and anger, stress us out because we're listening to all the outside things, all the, you need to be doing this. And is anybody liking my stuff? And because I said so early on in life, our parents teach us to do the things that are outside of us. It starts by paying attention to what your parents say. Oh, become a doctor, become a lawyer, 
You never know in your gut what you want to be, what your spirit tells you to be. Now, you might be running around the house saying what you want to be, but then your parents kind of shift you in another direction. They're like, yeah, you can't be a writer. You won't make any money. Okay, but who said that was even important? You just said you wanted to be a writer. You can make money. Who says you can't make money as a writer? Stephen King, Dean R. Coates, Elizabeth Gilbert. I mean, you can make money as a writer. So the stress and the anger, how's that working for you? So you're following this American dream. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're building this stellar resume. But your life, it hurts. You look at your life and it doesn't feel good. And that's that catalyst that I talked about. When you wake up one day and you're like, what is it all about? What am I doing? What am I doing? How did I get here? And a lot of times this is men, men, because men, let's just face it, men are the CEOs a lot of times. They do run these companies. And then sometimes, and a lot of times they run the families. Now I know there are single women out there, single households, and, and even households where the woman is the leader, the, the, the primary breadwinner. All of that is true. But I'm talking about majority of the time, this CEO is a man. Now I do work a lot of times with women And a lot with women who dominate male dominated industries like myself. But in the grand scheme of things, majority of CEOs are men. So this is why we know that we are not created equal. (laughs) And then we also know that life is not fair because once the majority do something, they can continue to do it because they are the majority. Now, I want you to, I want you CEOs to look at your company. If you can count the number of women, if you can count the number of black people, if you can count the number of Indians or Asians or, or any group of people, if you can count that, like if that is visual, then that's an area of opportunity that tells you right there that you have been singularly focused it tells you right there not that you're a racist no that's not what it tells you it tells you that you're doing the same thing expecting a different result somebody told me racism was dead not I was like the American dream is dead somebody told me racism was dead they were like no can they that's the 60s that's not going on anymore Oh, that's because you've surrounded yourself with people who look just like you. You live in a neighborhood, you go to work, you do the things, you are part of organizations. People look just like you. Nobody's discriminating against you and you're not discriminating against them. And you couldn't even see it if they were discriminating against people outside of the group because you guys don't go into other groups. But maybe you'll allow one or two people to come into your group. But if you're never going into the other group, if you're never the only white woman or man in the room there's an area of opportunity because it's okay for you to open up your doors and allow them to come in to your room and you say that's but that's not enough because you're not going into their rooms because do what you don't care enough to go into those rooms you're not curious 
Maybe you think you are too good to go into those rooms. Maybe it just didn't ever even occur to you to go into those rooms. Maybe you think you need to be invited. None of all of this is BS. Just connect. Just connect. Now, let me go back to what I was saying. If you look around your company, CEOs, and you can count the number of quote unquote others you have, there's an area of opportunity. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there are others that qualify for every single one of those positions in your company. Every single one. Now, what I believe should be happening is that as the company turns over, like there's turnover in companies, right? So you should be seeing those numbers go up and down and merge. And and at one time you have this many and this time you have that many. When I look at companies I've worked at, many, many times I've been the only woman. Many times I've been the only black woman. So do you have to hire everybody that looks alike? Do you have to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? What about your customer? What's your customer look like? If you're going to have meaning, if you're going to bring meaning to your life, then you've got to give some kind of credence to diversity. And I don't mean take a diversity course, bring in a diversity trainer. Sure, do it, but don't stop there because it's way deeper than that. It's so much more underneath that surface. A diversity council, if you have a diversity council in your company, area of opportunity. Because if you have a diversity council, if you need somebody to hold you accountable for making sure that you are inclusive, that you are allowing everyone to have an opportunity at your company or in your neighborhood or your organization, then area of opportunity. None of this means you are racist. It probably means you're a blind capitalist. It probably means you're programmed and it probably means you're confused. But what it means most of all is that you're starting to see that this gives you a really clear look that there are some areas of opportunity. And as you are feeling like, man, I've got to make some changes in my company. I've got to make some changes in my life. These are some of the areas, some places where you can make some of those changes. The Beatles said, money can't buy me love. But guess what? We are all using money to get love. It's true. I'll tell you why I know. I've learned in my almost 20 years of working in the financial and mental health industries that money and love go together, whether we want it to or not. All of our actions are based on doing what we think will get us the maximum amount of love. Now, later in life, we begin to use money to get that love. From the time we are children, we set in motion a plan to get our parents' love, then our friends' love, next our partner's love, and so on and so on and so on. So you see, around age 14, we make a final decision on how we will handle money. 
And it just so happens that at that same time, we are making a decision on how we'll handle love. You might decide to be a saver. You might decide to be a spender. You may even decide to be a hero or an enthusiast. Wondering what those two are? Take the money mentality quiz. It will reveal how you use money to get love. You don't have to believe me. See it for yourself. Take the money mentality quiz. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz and see for yourself. It's free and it only takes like two minutes. The great thing is you'll walk away not only knowing your money mentality or money personality, but you'll also know your money strengths and challenges so you can do something about them. So go ahead, take the quiz, but don't stop there. At the end, remember, give me your email address, your best email address, so I can give you some guidance to get enough love and money in your life to make it full of meaning. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get back to today's show. Because as you go on this search for meaning, let's talk about this journey, this search for meaning over money. Because money is important, absolutely. But can you be conscious about how you get it? Yes. And there are levels to this search for meaning. So I said, one day there's a spark, like, bam, something happens. It's a catastrophic event. It's a catalyst. Something gets you to wake up that morning and say, I don't love my life. And why don't I love my life? Oh, my life has no meaning. None of the things I do are meaningful to me. I just have meeting after meeting after meeting, deadlines. You know, I look across the room at the people and some of them I like, some of them I don't. Some of them I wish they weren't here because they make this company harder to work with. Even though they look like you, they don't necessarily have to be the right person for the job. And so we go out on this search. Now it's everybody, but you know, CEOs are often men. So I may say he rather than she don't get upset with me. So he'll go out on this search And it might look like buying more cars, dating younger women. It might look like picking up a vice, cigarettes. When I first started working at Morgan Stanley, jokingly, uh, one of the top advisors, he said, so what vice do you have? And I was like, what? He's like, you're going to have to have a vice if you're going to do this job. It's very stressful. You need a vice. And he's joking, but he's serious. It's like, well, that's true. We gonna, we hate our lives so much that we need to fill voids with drugs, alcohol, food, sex, whatever, material things, shopping. But I didn't need a, a vice because I had a life of meaning. A meaningful life was my vice. <laughs> so how do you make a meaningful life your vice that every morning you wake up and you have this morning routine that guides you and, and molds you and shapes you into a life of meaning? That before you go to bed at night, your your day is wrapped up and you start to believe, oh my gosh, I am doing some good in the world, even if it's just for two people. Whatever it is for you. And that's what starts to happen. You start wanting to do more good in the world. Do you know Carnegie or Carnegie? Yeah. And now you know 
Carnegie Hall and Carnegie Mellon and these universities and these libraries. But before Carnegie did all of that great work in the world to turn his money into meaning, he was a son of a bitch. <laughs> now, I am sorry if that's your uncle or grandfather or great, 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 great grandfather, but he was. And that's why he made those changes. That's why he did so much because he felt like he needed to make amends for all the wreckage in his past. And you can read more about his story and because this is not about this episode is not going to go deep into Carnegie, but thousands of people died because his safety measures were all about the bottom line. What? He cared more about a profit, a few cents than he did about his employees lives. And then he had a catastrophic event or a catalyst event or a spark that said, you can't keep living like this, man. Yeah, that's what I imagine. I imagine Carnegie woke up one morning in the 1800s or whatever that was. And he says, you can't keep living like this, man. I guess that was the 1900s. Okay. So anyways, as he's building this industry, he's the top. He's the most powerful. He is the most He's the wealthiest. At one point he was. And then he said, but my life sucks. Yep, that's what Carnegie said. My life sucks. I don't even know how I got here. And he turned it all around. You can do that too. And probably you've not done half of the crap that Carnegie did. So you don't really even have to make that big of a shift to let go of that old American dream programming. You probably are close to having a meaningful life. You probably just need a few tweaks, a few turns. So as you're on this search for meaning, and I've been doing these interviews and I've been doing the research and this research project has opened my eyes. I mean, I already knew a lot of this stuff, but to get really intimate with this data and I am not a data person, but these are like case study data. This is like case study data. So this is a lot more interesting, but each CEO that I've talked to male or female, there was a journey. And it went something like this. It was like a, there were levels to the search and it started out as this survival, right? We just want to survive. We just want to keep the doors of our businesses open. And if that means leveraging and taking loans or VC money or, or staying up late or firing all the, the staff and, and starting all over, you'll hear somebody's story talks about that. If it means that you push yourself and you go a little further, if it means stealing from your competition, like, ooh, that was a good idea. I'm just going to do that. It worked for them. Whatever it means, you just got to survive. You just got to keep the doors open and you do it. And then you go into strive mode and strive is like, we got customers. We have a great team. You know, let's just keep this going. What's working? What's not? Let's tweak. Let's turn. Let's pivot. Let's grow. Let's scale. Cause then you're going to go into thrive mode. And then you're like, yes, this company is working. I'm doing good in the world. And when you scale and when you go into thrive mode, that's when the most meaning, that's when you really start looking for meaning. And you're like, wait, I survived this. I worked my buns off and maybe I lost a little dignity along the way, but I'm going to get it back when I get to thrive mode. And you strive and you strive and you strive and people probably don't even thank you for all the work that you do in the world, but you keep going anyway. And then you realize, 
Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. And if I'm going to light my fire again, I've got to find something meaningful. You might be there right now. That might be where you are. Let me tell you, you are not alone. You are not alone. I am here with you. There are thousands of people listening right now that are with you as well. There are other CEOs right around you that you just don't feel comfortable sharing your journey with, but they're going through the same journey you're going through. And what I'd say is if you're in the survive mode, it's going to be tough to, to, to find somebody else just like you because your head is down and you're just trying to <sighs> breathe, right? So you can't even look left or right. Because think about it, when you're running, when you're running, trying to survive, like just imagine you're trying to survive from this, I don't know, saber tooth tiger is always my um, analogy. You're running from the saber tooth tiger. <laughs> you really can't figure out, well, who else is here? And is, am I running alone? Or are there other people? Is Because you're just trying to stay alive. Now, maybe if your family was there, you got them and you're pulling them along with you, which some of you are which makes it even harder. You got kids on your back, a wife on your arm, and you got to breathe and breathe and you got to keep them going and keep them going. And you're breathing and you're breathing and you're breathing and your heart is beating fast and your lungs are full, but not too full because you got to keep the blood, the blood flowing and the air going. And it's just about survival. It doesn't matter who's around you. So at that point, you're not really looking for your tribe, but it would be great if you had a tribe. But when you get into strive mode, that's when you really want to see, okay, who else is here? Who's doing this? Who can I help? Who can help me? Collaboration is the key in this, in the strive mode. And then you go to thrive and it's love. The sun is shining, the rainbows, but it's not always like that. Maybe here comes a lawsuit. Yeah. I had somebody talk about that in my research. Maybe there's a divorce because you went into survival mode and your head was down and you paid no attention to your wife and kids or even while you got into strive mode and that's really what you don't pay attention to the wife and kids when you're in strive modes and I say wife and kids ladies husbands too you ignore your husbands and he's like I just want to have sex woman and you're like how can I have sex when I'm trying to find the right vendor <laughs> right <laughs> he like he doesn't care about me he doesn't care about my business all he wants is sex does he know I'm trying to change the world? <laughs> yes. But he also knows you kind of need to release some of that stress too. <laughs> Just saying. So don't get mad at me. You know, I say the right, you know, I say what's on my mind and you know, I say the truth. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. So get mad, but just get over it and come on back. All right. You're back. All right. I love you. I love you so much. I do. I'm so glad we can have these kind of conversations. And I want to talk about your resume. What's your resume like? Uh-huh. Look at you. You just got all puffed up and you're like, yeah, my resume. Oh yeah, I got this on there and that on there. Uh-huh. Yeah. You see how I just shifted that for you? All that external stuff that nobody really cares about. People, They believe they do, but deep down inside they don't. And they will turn on you in a minute. All that stuff on your resume, I don't care how many movies you've been in, how many likes you got on your Instagram. You don't care how many widgets you've built, books you've written. None of that will matter. At some point, it's just stuff. It's just boxes. 
won't matter to you and it won't matter to other people either. Because when they're ready to move on to the next person who wrote more books than you, there's always somebody who wrote more books or had more money or got more clients or created the next great product. So that's not going to keep you on their minds. And why is that important anyway? Because that's external. Happiness is an inside job. Meaning is an inside job. You got to find it inside yourself. But when you're looking at your resume, you're like, oh, I've been to this company and I built this company and I've done this. Whether you're an employee or CEO, your resume makes you feel like you're somebody. But what if who you are could make you feel like you're somebody? So what's not on your resume? Think about it. What's not on your resume? What is bringing your life meaning? I mean, what really warms your heart? What is it that you wish you could do more of? Wish you could get back to faster. Wish the sun would come up earlier just so you can get back to doing it. What is that? So I'll give you an example. Like it's in my bio, but it's not on my resume that I have an adopted daughter. I have two adopted daughters. And the story goes, you probably heard it, that I adopted one, they're twins, one first. And a couple of years later, the other one came. But in the beginning, the other one didn't want to come. So I just had one for two years. And then a couple of years later, two adopted daughters. And the story is powerful and profound and like deep and meaningful. And I'll tell it at another time. The, if you haven't heard it, I'm not going to tell it now, but it is so good. And every time I tell the story, it brings more meaning and more meaning and more meaning. And every time she tells the story, and I told it in a couple episodes back and I'll find that episode and see if I can put it in the show notes for you. But man, we just love each other so much. And that's not on my resume though, but I love that part of my life and I give a lot for it. Now, do I focus on work? too much sometimes and not on the girls. Yeah, I do. And I hate that I do it, but sometimes I'm still in in strive mode. You know, we're, we're a young company, presidential lifestyle. We haven't gotten to thrive mode yet. You know, there's still that fluctuation for us. Something else that's not on my resume is that I am a really good friend. Like I'm so generous. I pour into my friendships And that's because I've had friends that have passed away that maybe when I was younger in my 20s, I didn't pour in enough. I was I tempered my friendships back then and my dreams, my goals were more important than my friendships. But that shifted once my two friends passed away. And I was like, nah, that's not who I want to be. I want my friends to know when they leave this world that can they love them fully and completely, freely. And I didn't hold back. And I sat on the couch and talked and listened with them. I was there when their companies needed a little bit more help. I supported them as a client or customer. I sent them customers. I donated to their causes. I listened to their big dreams. Not that little American dream, I'm sorry. Some people... American dream is right for you and it is enough. But for others and a very few people want exactly to go to school, get a good job, you know, buy a dog, have kids, get married, not in that order, but have a picket fence. I mean, how many people really do want a picket fence? So if we 
if we look at that exact formula, not many people are following that. That's not even appealing to most people anymore. So what's not on your resume? That's how I want to close this episode. I want you to think about what makes your life meaningful because it's going to be the stuff that's not on your resume. The fact that you adopted a child, the fact that you're a generous friend. Maybe you are, a, I don't know, bishop in your church or minister in your church. Maybe you can draw or paint and you've never even said that. Nobody even knows that about you. What's not on your resume? I have conversations with strangers all the time where I go deep because I don't have surface conversations. If I'm going to talk to a stranger because I don't like talking to strangers. So if I'm going to talk to a stranger, we're going deep. So don't spark a conversation with me unless you want to go deep. I don't talk about the weather and sports and whatever else. I definitely don't want to talk about COVID. (laughs) So I go deep. And a lot of times I discover these hidden talents and dreams and just meaningful things that people have forgotten because they have been so focused on all the outside things that America told them was important that they forgot about talents they had since they were kids that they used to win awards for. Yeah. And people know, don't become my friend unless you want a life of meaning. So I'm going to hold you to it. I'm not going to let you be mediocre. I'm not going to let you just be the status quo or have some cookie cutter life. If that's not what's in your heart, if your heart says something else, then let's go find something else. Let's create something else. That's your field work. Think about field work is like homework. If you haven't heard me say that term before. Think about the things that make your life meaningful that are not on your resume. Do that. Not for me, but for you. And it might mean you take a step back. It might mean you let some people in your company go. It might mean you let a product or two go because it just doesn't mean anything to you. There's so many ways to find meaning don't have to rely on that cookie cutter American dream to be your reality. Unless that's what you really, really, truly want. But search your soul, go deep, figure it out. You can have a conversation with me if you like, I'd help you figure it out. But you might even have somebody already in your life. So I want to hear from you. At the end of this podcast and outro, I tell you exactly how you and I can connect. So just keep listening all the way to the end. If you want to send me an email, if you want to have a conversation with me, or if you just want to start by being a part of our tribe, all of these things are available to you. Let's spark some meaning in your life. How does that sound? Does that sound good or good? I know, right? It's a journey. It's a journey. But you don't have to do it alone. You are not alone in this search for meaning over money. I am with you. You are not alone. Together, we can make 
America meaningful again. Are you with me? Then let's go. I'll see you next week. Hey, before you go, I'm wondering, are you a CEO who is starting to feel like it's time to manage your stress rather than just tolerate it? Have you gotten to a point where you'd rather be appreciated for who you are rather than what you've done according to society's rules? Would you like to enjoy your success with less stress? If this sounds like you and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit for working with me and my team over here at Presidential Lifestyle, then here's what I'd like you to do. I invite you to head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com and book a private conversation with me. It's not free. My time is valuable, just as valuable as yours is. And for that reason, I'm going to pour into you for about 45 to 60 minutes you pay a small fee in exchange for a lot of love so we can get to the bottom of what's stressing you out right now. I'll listen to your goals, accomplishments, and even your challenges. And I'll tell you more about me and my process too. You'll get to ask me questions and I'll give you a few tips and resources that you can start using immediately to reduce your stress. It'll be worth your time and your money. I promise you that. At the end of our call, if we believe that we can work together successfully, I'll share with you the fastest way to get to where you want to be using my program. At Presidential Lifestyle, we help CEOs all over the world navigate through stress and turn their money into meaning. To see if we can help you do that same thing, head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com or simply click the link in the show notes. All right. Go now. I'll see you there. Talk to you sooner. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my Prosperity Pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com 
slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.